Welcome again to another edition of the Cattails Podcast, the official athletics podcast of Weber State Athletics. I'm Paul Grewer, Director of Athletic Communications, and joined again as as always by the voice of the Wildcats, Steve Clowkey. And Steve, today we're we're joined by uh, lucky enough to be having the Big Sky Commissioner Tom Wister still joining us, and we're excited to talk about all the many things going on in in, in the Big Sky and around college athletics with Tom. So many things going on, and Tom, first of all, thanks for joining us. And uh, uh, just a personal question, uh, how have you and the family held up during these last crazy six months? Well, it's been, uh, it's been interesting, to say the least. You know, everybody's kind of been on lockdown. Um, we spent most of the month of July here with COVID in the house. So um, my, old, my younger son got it playing in a basketball tournament and passed it to my wife, who passed it to me, and then I pass it on to my older son. And uh, the strangest thing about it was it hit all four of us completely differently. Really? Four, four different types of symptoms for the lengths of us feeling crappy. We're all different. So um, after we got through that, it's been, it's been much better, but uh, you know, it's like every household you're, you're having to adjust to the everybody being around. And uh, even though school has started for both my sons, one's a, junior in high school, the other the junior in college, it's, it's not the same. It's not the same for them. It's not the same for, for anyone. So it's, uh, it's been a challenging time, but uh, nonetheless, you know, we, we stay positive and uh, hope for better days ahead. I mean, what were yeah. your first thoughts and everybody's first thoughts when everybody tested positive? Well, you know, it was kind of one of those things where my son played this basketball tournament uh, over a weekend. And then on Wednesday, he started to get a little bit of a sore throat and, and a little bit of a fever. And so my wife took him in for a strep test and they said, well, we're gonna test you for COVID. Well, they came back positive and two days later, my wife went in the tank, started feeling horrible. And I, mine was two days later. So, you know, it was one of those things where we were like, this is really weird. And it was weird how it was hitting all of us differently. My wife was pretty much sick with the flu symptoms for almost an entire month. And, uh, and mine was a week long, really tight chest, like you would expect a respiratory virus to settle, just a really tight cough. And so I'd suck it up. I'd go on a Zoom call for an hour, um, you know, act like nothing was wrong. And then I'd go take a nap for an hour. <laughs> and then I'd wake up and try to rally for the next Zoom call. So, you know, it, it was one of those things that made it very real. And it also was really scary because of both my wife and I were pretty sick, uh, even though for different time frames, but we could completely see how if you were either, you know, either if your immune system was not strong or you were elderly, um, it's very dangerous. And, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's sad that here in Utah, as you guys know, our cases are heading back up again. We're seeing a pretty big spike right now. And that's not a good thing for our uh, winter sports coming up. So we're going we're gonna to need people to be safe and be smart and wear a mask and not get together. And, and some people that's really hard to do. I mean, I, Think back to when I was, if I was 18 to 22 on a college campus, uh, there's no worse place in America for social distancing than a college campus. So, so I guess it doesn't surprise me that, that we've seen an uptake with uh, colleges back in session, but, but it's sad to see it. And uh, I, don't think, I don't think we're going to see the end of this anytime soon. Yeah. Before we talk about the business at hand with what's going on, uh, I got to ask you, let's go back a couple of years. Uh, what interested you about the big sky that made you decide you wanted to become commissioner? So, you know, you might not know this, but 20 years ago, I spent seven years as a division two commissioner. So, you know, I, I'd been in the role, although not at division one, 
<clears throat> knew the job, knew I enjoyed it, and uh, you know went out uh, on the other side of college athletics on the administrative side. You know, ended up being an athletic director, and then you know I went back to Learfield, had a had a great run there with a good company with great people and that. And uh, you know I was trying to figure out what the next step was. Did I want to get back onto a campus in an AD role? Did I want to uh, go look at a commissioner role? And when the search firm reached out to me on this job, it would just seem like a really a perfect fit where some of the needs of the conference from building the brand and marketing uh, to generating revenue, increasing our media rights and delivering better content and more content to our fans. That really fit with my skill set. And, uh, and then, you know, the opportunity to move to a beautiful place like uh, the Wasatch Valley here and uh, just really enjoy living here. It's a great, great family spot. So it just seemed like a really good fit where I could kind of use my AD skills to work with the ADs here, but also haven't been a commissioner before. Know you know that it's about bringing the presidents together, bringing the schools together, and working together for a common good. So, like anything in life, timing was great. Um, I think, like I said, I think what they were looking for was a skill set like mine. And uh, it'll be two years coming up here in a couple months. So it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I've really enjoyed being part of the conference. Yeah, I was just going to mention that you are officially named the uh, commissioner in November of 2018, so coming up on two years. And I would imagine that uh, never been a year like this, though, that's for sure, right? But uh, I remember, I think it was you that said or, or quoted or shared somebody that had said that, I think in July, that the next month or two would be the biggest month in, in college athletics in the history of them, really, and, and will determine a whole lot. Um, Take us back to what you were thinking maybe in late July, early August, before some of these big decisions were made. Where were things, and, and what was it that ultimately made the decision to, to cancel and postpone fall sports? So, you know, I'm going to go back even a little earlier than that. You know, many of us were up in Boise for the basketball tournament uh, when we canceled everything and then ended up canceling all spring sports as well. And I can tell you, you know, I was actually in a president's meeting when we were having these discussions and everybody, all the East, East and Midwest conferences were canceling their tournaments and it was real time. And, you know, we never imagined in our wildest dreams, dreams is the wrong word, wildest nightmares probably back in March that we'd still be dealing with this in September. You know, it was, we thought, okay, this is going to be a two, three month thing. We'll be through it and everything will be fine come the fall. And so we worked the whole summer kind of on that premise. And then, you know, we had to start to prepare for, well, what if this isn't under control? What are we going to do then? You know, can we really start uh, fall sports um, and high contact sports like soccer, volleyball, and uh, football, obviously? Um, and, and can we do it in a safe way? And so our, 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 our thinking shifted over the summer from, hey, we're in a good spot. We're going to get through the summer. We're going to be ready to go this fall to okay, can we really do this this fall? And how would we do it? And that's where, you know, we have eight states amongst our 11 schools. And, uh, and so there's a lot of variances around the conference of some places have handled the virus much better than others. Many of them started school much better than others. And so, but our focus has always been on, can we keep our student athletes safe? Can we keep our coaches safe? Can we safely have competition moving teams from state to state, from area to area? Um, how do we feel about that? And so as it started to trickle into kind of decision day, 
which, you know, as we started into July, it started to come pretty quickly at us of, you know, there came to a tipping point where schools that were going to start football, you know, basically right around the 1st of August, they were going to have to do a lot of prep, including bringing all their players back at that time. We needed to make a decision before that happened. We didn't want to bring our kids back, get them started practicing, be there for a week or two, and then send everybody home. We thought, you know what, that's not, that's not the right thing to do. And so, you know, so, so that we start, we put off the decision, put off the decision just to try to give more time for the virus to either, either start to, to dwindle in numbers or for us to find better testing uh, protocols or a vaccine. And in the end, we just, we just thought we couldn't do this. We couldn't do it in a safe way to have our football teams, volleyball teams, soccer teams traveling all over the West to these games. And it was just, it, you know, it was health and safety first. And then it was everything from the availability of tests to the cost, all those other things that just kind of added into us. At that point, it was a pretty easy decision. It, you, know, you know, it was hard from the fact of we knew we were affecting people's lives and these young people that have worked so hard. But if we're in the business for the young people, then it wasn't a really hard decision. You mentioned earlier about uh, the, the uptick in uh, positive tests here in the state of Utah and, you know, looking ahead to the winter season. And, you know, a lot of people have talked about football this and football that. But from, a, I think, a G5 and the mid-major uh, uh, conferences are concerned, I think getting basketball is maybe more important because it, obviously the schools took a financial hit by not having and not getting the money from the NCAA tournament uh, this past March. I've got to think a second year without a tournament would be devastating. Yeah, no doubt. I think we're certainly committed at all 32 commissioners and the NCAA. We meet, we meet uh, twice a week and uh, we are firmly committed to having an NCAA basketball tournament this year. However, it needs to be done. And so you know, as you guys know, we delayed the start of basketball games to November 25th uh, to try to try to give us a little more time. Most importantly, what that does is the semester schools, the majority of them in the in the nation, over 80% of them, are going to stop in-person classes at Thanksgiving. Um, they're just going to go online the rest of their time frame. So, so for us, you know, that that helps because just just the student athletes will be on campus then. And we hope we can control the, uh, the pod or bubble, whatever you want to call it, for those student athletes at that time. So, you know, everybody's sights is, is on basketball right now. And, you know, I think the challenge becomes when practice starts uh, per the NCAA mandate, we have to test everybody once a week. Um, once you start playing or competition week, we're going to need to start testing three times a week. So we need to figure out, do we have enough tests available? Can we turn those tests around quick enough? And can we get the cost down of those tests between now and that, that week of Thanksgiving when the majority of our teams are going to play? And so a lot of our work that's happening right now is whether it's with the NCA scene, if we can come up with some nationwide testing protocols that will help us drive the cost down or working with some of our local communities. So you're right, Steve. I mean, we're now focused on basketball. We know football's coming for us, but they're not playing until February. So, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things right now. You you got to take what's right in front of your face, right. and then we'll deal with the other stuff later. So what does the – I realize that sitting here mid-September that 
things will change tomorrow, right? Things always do change. But at this point, what do you anticipate the basketball season looks like? Would it be some sort of a bubble where you'd go to a location? Would we have regular travel preseason games and then a, a full conference schedule? What, what kind of things do you anticipate? Well, uh, as you've probably heard me say before, Paul, my crystal ball is no clearer than anybody else's mm-hmm. on this. And you said that. We can't predict that. But right now what our plan is, is, you know, we're gonna, we've approved. We reduced the number of conference games down to 16. So we're full speed ahead right now, knowing that that's a few months off still uh, with those 16 conference games happening on campuses. Um, now, what we are talking about in end of November and into December is creating some non-conference bubbles uh, so we potentially could get some games in. We've talked to Vegas about it. We've talked to Spokane, looking at some other locations as well, where we could bring you know two or three of each of our teams down to a place like Las Vegas you know, five or six conferences all bring in, you know, two, three teams and you, you run something over five, six days where teams could get in three, four games, something like that. Um, all within a bubble there, like you put everybody at the MGM, they stay there, they eat there, they play there, they practice there. I mean, the whole deal. So that's getting very, that's a lot of work is being done on that right now, all across the country of various types of things like that. So first of all, we need to see, can we do this to get non-conference games? Because we do think there, there won't be as much travel going on for non-conference games. Um, and some places, we have places in our conference who couldn't host a game right now in November anyway. Um, so, so we're working through all those details and trying to come up with our op- some of our options. Um, we're going to take some of those to the men's basketball coaches actually today at a meeting later. But, um, you know, it's about, it's about trying to come up with all these different options, not knowing what situation we're going to be in. And if, and if we find that we're starting to get into uh, around December 1st and we're still going to have, have trouble getting games on campus, then we'll probably need to look at what we're going to do with conference games. And that's when that discussion that you talked about there, Paul, would, uh, you know, would happen. Um, it's just, you know, you, you want to make, make a really efficient decisions, but everything's changing so rapidly that you don't want to make a big decision now and then regret that decision two weeks from now. So, you know, that's the, that's the really hard part about this. And, and that goes for everybody, not just in college athletics. Mm-hmm. Every business is operating that way too. And so, you know, it's just the thing about us it is, you know, we're off very much in the public with this. And a lot of people care about our decisions. Um, and that's where we have to keep student athletes safety and health as number one. If we do that, then we'll make the right decision. You know, and along those lines, this is probably well down the the list. Uh, you probably haven't thought about this, but be, uh, the commitments uh, for the uh, conference tournament, especially the temp championship game on uh, on one of the ESPN channels, would you ever consider sliding that tournament so that the championships not on a Saturday, going up against some of the of the spring football schedule? So we've thought about lots of different things there. Our plan right now is, is to keep the schedule the same for Boise. Um, we, have, we have yet to finalize a football schedule. One of the options we're looking at is having that Saturday be a bye week for all the football teams. That's one thing we've looked at. We also know that, you know, it's, it's only a conflict for two of our teams, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, there's there, but we've looked at lots of different options. So, you know, what we do know is we plan on going back to Boise, uh, full speed ahead with that, been working with those people up there. They're excited to have us back. It's year three of a three-year contract, and, and uh, we had some good things going in year two, and, 
would have loved to seen that through. Hopefully we can build that momentum again and, and uh, have, have, have good fan support there in Boise. You know, speaking of scheduling and all that, I was chuckling the other day when I was thinking about this, and we were we were talking with uh, the cross country people at uh, at Weaver State on one of our podcasts. The fact that uh, cross country is the only sport that, when you move it to the spring, it's in conflict with itself because of the outdoor uh, uh, track and field. Uh, that's going to be tough to squeeze a cross country schedule because you can't expect the kids to run cross country and then run distance in a track meet. Well. You know what, Steve? I think that's exactly what we're going to do, matter of fact. Mm-hmm. I think the, the goal here is, I think, you know, there's an indoor nationals and then there's outdoor nationals. And somewhere in between that, we're going to try to pull off a cross-country nationals. Now, whether or not we have a conference meet the week or 10 days before that, I don't know yet. We have an Olympic sports committee that's working through all those details. But, you know, the nice thing, it, it is a different type of running, according to the uh, the experts, as they tell me, but but those same experts, which is our coaches and some administrators that have spent a long time in track and field, said, if you put a championship in there, people will show up. And so there might be some that decide. I think our goal is let's get it set up for our runners and our coaches and let them decide what they want to do, rather than the administrators making decisions for them. So there might not be as many runners in the national cross country meet as there typically would be because maybe they're a little more focused on the outdoor meet for nationals. But, you know, I know some of our schools who will be very much focused on trying to win a cross country national championship and qualify individuals for that. And so I think, I think we're going to try to pull it off in this year of nothing being perfect, nothing fits or makes sense together. Why not try this and let's see what happens. You know, it's a little bit like, you might have a home football game February 20th there in that stadium that's right behind Paul's head here on the uh, yeah. on, our, on, our, on our video chat, and uh, it might be it might be a little cold on February 20th there in Odds are, yes. You know? now it might be sunny and 50, but it it might be miserable too. So who knows? Um, but I'm hopeful that we can provide that opportunity for all the student athletes. Of course, on the other hand, Tom, knowing the, the mentality of, of the runners across country and track and field, if they're, if they're not in a meet, they're going to be running anyway, so what the heck? Well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what, it, right? If I'm going to run the 5,000, you know, or, or 10,000, I mean, I can run it indoors or outdoors or, or on a golf course. Just point me in that direction. So I, I'm not one of those people. I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't run like that, so I have no idea what that means, but good for them. We got some good runners in this big sky, that's for sure. Oh, as yeah. far as scheduling, you've got so many other sports to do. You mentioned basketball is kind of set now with the, with the conference schedule, but you're going to try to throw in football and then try to throw in volleyball and soccer in addition to to the other sports. What do you anticipate a football schedule perhaps looking like at this point? Yeah, at this point we're working off some different models, but we're looking at eight, eight games conference only, um, you know, starting around that February 20th and trying to fit, you know, basically taking those eight games over nine weeks. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be crowded. Um, it's going to be busy. People like in your position, Paul, and the facility people and their training staff at every one of our schools is, well, I'm sure they'll look at me funny when I show up on campus, but, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be the strangest spring ever. And hopefully this is only a one-shot deal that we ever have to do this in. But, um, but I mean, I think what I've been excited about is 
since we've seen some light at the end of the tunnel with the NCA Council passing this legislation last week to set the dates, and then the president's, uh, the board of directors for the president should verify it this week. Hopefully they will. Um, it's given everybody some hope. And uh, people in our business and our campuses, from coaches, administrators, student athletes, everybody, they can get energized when you give them a date and you give them a goal. And, uh, and that, that provides some clarity. So people like Jay Hill there can say, okay, guys, I don't know who we're playing yet, and I don't know where, but we're going to play eight games starting February 20th. And there will be 16 teams in the tournament, one automatic qualifier from the big sky, and there's going to be five at-larges because there's 11 AQs this year. And we need to make sure we're in position to get one of those berths. So, so that gives him and his football team something to work for. So, yeah, it's going to – there will be, there'll be Sunday nights, Paul, when you and your staff just want to call it quits after, a, <laughs> after seven events on home over four, at home over four days. But uh, nonetheless, yeah. I'm hopeful that we get through it and we look back on it and go, God, remember spring 2020? This seems so easy now this spring of 21 or 22. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I was going to say with all that you're are trying to put together with all the schedules, you're doing a lot of work in pencil and very little in ink. That's exactly right, Steve. No doubt. <laughs> the question that it gets asked a lot of 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 us, all of us, I'm sure, is it fair? Can student athletes do this? Is it fair to put them in? where they're going to play some playoff games in, in February, March, April, May, and then turn around and play again starting late August, September? Yeah, so great question. Is that, is that doable? Is it feasible? Yeah, yeah, great question. We're very fortunate. We have a really good uh, medical committee here at the Big Sky that is, uh, has worked really hard to advise us on what's going to be healthy or not for our student athletes both this spring and heading into the summer, you know, for next fall. So, you know, they've advised us that as long as we can get done with football in May, um, that we should be okay. There'll be an adjustment, I'm sure, to the summer schedule. You know, there'll be mandated time off for our student-athletes, so they probably won't report as earlier for summer, summer workouts. But, um, but we've, we've relied on the advice of our medical committee. None of us are qualified as administrators are qualified to decide that. That's why we have doctors to, to discuss this with and to advise us. So we feel good about what they're telling us and, uh, and feel good that what we'll do this spring from a calendar standpoint won't impact uh, next fall. And, uh, and so we're going we're gonna to go with it and, uh, and, and hope for the best, knowing that there could be some starts and stops along the way. We can't predict that, but uh, we'll see where it leads us. Would that so? But what you're saying that it would be a full schedule, maybe not. Uh, you cut a couple of games off, move, slide the season back a little bit next fall. Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about the summer schedule okay. could could be shortened. We every, everything we're doing this spring on purpose should not impact next fall. Okay. We expect by next fall we're back to what a regular fall schedule looks like. Uh, you mentioned it. And, you know, we've seen it mentioned by other other conference commissioners about even even the Pac-12 mentioned it about you've got eight states and they're in a different place and different rules, different uh, ramifications. And, and the fact is there's a few states that they can't even get together right now or do anything. How much will that impact thing, decisions to be made? And would it be a case where it's all or, or, all or nothing for states and schools? So, you know, we've taken the approach that 
you know, with football, we decided it's all or nothing. We're going to all move to the spring. And because the FCS championship, we were also able to move that to the spring. Basketball and our other sports that are moving, basketball, the winter sports, and then the sports move into the spring now. Um, we think we're going to have stops and starts. We're going to have problems with the virus at times. But, you know, I, I think we're going to aim for the best. We're going to schedule full schedules for each of our sports. And let's say basketball, for example, if, if men's basketball at Weber can only get in 18 games this year, but, you know, Northern Arizona gets in 26, so be it. It's just the way it is this year. Different people are going to get affected. You don't know. We don't know when we're going to have an outbreak. Like, you know, you guys might have a basketball trip up to, you know, Idaho and Eastern Washington. One player tests positive at Eastern Washington. That might wipe out your next two weeks games there. We, and, and there's nothing we can do about that. We're just going to have to follow the health officials' guidance on what to do. Um, and then, like I said, realize that there's going to be the stops and starts. It's not an even year. And competitive equity, we kind of need to throw out the window and be excited that we're just going to be playing sports again here soon. And let's find a way to get that back because yeah. it's very important to, to everyone. Just a couple questions left with Tom. Mr. Sill, the Big Sky Commissioner, joining us here on the Cattails Podcast. Well, we've talked about this before, but maybe let fans in a little bit on what exactly the process is like for you and what exactly your role is, because you work for the presidents, you work for the ADs, you got the coaches, you got a lot of different people and other, and the NCAA, of course, going on. What, what is that process and decision-making like? Yeah, so, you know, it's an interesting role because, and we're very fortunate, our presidents have been really engaged um, really in tune what's going on. Your president there, President Mortensen, is part of our executive committee. That's our three of our presidents that I work with most closely on everything. And, uh, but yet, you know, with all of our presidents, they're the, they're the board of directors. I report directly to them. And, uh, and then I work in concert with our ADs and every, everyone to kind of help try to, try to chart a path for what the future looks like, especially during these times. And while each of our ADs and presidents and faculty reps are busy, um, managing the campuses. My job is to work closely with the NCAA and all of the various committees and constituencies in that group to make sure that we're getting real-time information, that we're making decisions with the best information we can, uh, and that to know what's going on around the country. And so but I'm on you know multiple calls each week with commissioners groups, with the NCAA, with our ADs group, um, talking to the presidents frequently, and uh, mainly my job is being that communication source uh, so that I can tell them, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what I expect to happen. Here's what we're going to have to make some decisions. Here's the time frame on that. And I uh, make sure everybody's kind of clued into that. So, so that's a big part of my job, you know, besides managing our staff and all the various things that we do to help, help the conference schools. Uh, my main job is that kind of communications tool uh, to help lead us in the right direction. I should throw in, uh, give you a chance here to tip your cap to your staff because they've done a wonderful job of keeping people informed. John and his stories, Mary Lou with her stuff. And I should say, I should, Ms. Miami, right? Yeah, yeah. Miss Miami, yeah, she is, yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, we're very fortunate. we got a great staff and, uh, and they've worked really hard um, to try to make sure that uh, we're heading in, a, heading in a good direction. You know, uh, Dan, our deputy, and Janie and John are, our senior associate commissioners and Denise who heads our communication staff. So we got a really good group of people. They care so deeply about the big sky 
and what it stands for in our in our um, local communities and and uh, the great reputation we have nationally. So um, it's a tribute to work with them each day. Final question I have is is basically what needs to happen between now and, and November and then also between now and, and into February for, for events to happen as far as testing and other kinds of things. But what has to happen for, for games to get back going? So first of all, we're going to need to see a decrease in the counts. You know, as we speak here right now, you know, like I said, we've seen this this spike in cases here in Utah and some of our other states as well. So we got to see that going down, um, you know, or the state officials, state health officials might be making some very tough decisions about the number, the size of groups they allow to get together. And that could really hurt us playing basketball. And I'm by that, I mean playing at all. I'm not talking about fans yet. I'm just talking about just playing the games like the NBA bubble. Right. So, so we need that to happen. Um, and then, you know, if we can get the counts going down, then we, like I said, back to the testing piece, testing has to be more readily available and it has to become cheaper for us to be able to manage that for all of our winter sports. And then as we head into the spring with all the rest of the sports going. And so if we can do that, then I think we have an opportunity to start playing basketball in November, potentially in some of our places with limited numbers of fans. My hope is, is, you know, and like I said, I'm reading news reports, I try to find reputable sources, hard to find some days because I can find people that <laughs> say the exact opposite of each other on the same, in the same area. And I think that's really hard because the doctors are saying, even doctors say complete opposite things of each other. But I think the hopes of a vaccine in the early parts of 21, I think there's some hope there so that by the time we start getting into February, we can start getting fans back in the stands. We can have fans at football fans at volleyball, basketball, and build into March. I won't say it, heading, it won't be normal in March, but at least trending in that direction. So, so there's a lot there, Paul. And, and unfortunately, kind of the timeline I, is, is kind of best case scenario, you know, now because things could come to a grinding halt if we have really bad outbreaks in some of our, in some of our local communities. Well, Tom, it's been uh, great having you uh, with us here, here this afternoon. It was uh, uh, pretty enlightening. And uh, just from the sounds of things, uh, you and the staff, uh, if, you know, if this gig doesn't work out, Ringling Brothers and uh, the juggling acts would probably be open for you because you're yeah, juggling no a lot of different things at once. Yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, everybody's dealing with craziness in their lives right now. And so, you know, um, I guess I feel fortunate that we have really good leadership with our presidents. And the people on campus are really focused on trying to find a way to make this work. And so we got really good coordination amongst our, our league. And uh, we're going to work really hard to try to try to get this going here soon. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll have some uh, lady luck will smile on us a little bit too. <laughs>